Creator, and here's the title of the message, The Good Works of the Creator. Amen? The Good Works of the Creator. So if you find your place, stand with me together as we read the Word of God. Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. We're going to be uh, in several places throughout the book of Genesis, but we're going to begin here. Verse, the first three verses, notice what the Scripture says. The Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning. Again, God, we need you. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Now, God, as we turn our attention to the preaching of your word, we ask, God, that you'd speak to us. We ask, God, that you'd be here today. Holy Spirit of God, we want you to be in our midst today. And I pray, God, that you would do what I can't do, and that's work on a heart. And, Lord, through the preaching of your word, I pray that you would allow the word of God to get down inside of us and to change us and to help us. And, Lord, make us what we ought to be for you. Lord, if there's someone here today that's not saved, I ask, God, that you would help them to accept you, Lord, before it's eternally too late. We love you, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The good works of the Creator. If you notice there, as I read those three verses in Genesis chapter 2, uh, the different uh, uh, the, the times it talked about the work of God. It said there in verse 2, God ended His work which He had made. And it says this, and he rested the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And then uh, uh, verse 3, because in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. And so God here uh, is the subject of the, uh, the, the one doing the work. And so the first thing we want to look at is the good worker. The good worker. Now I want you to go back to the first chapter of Genesis, chapter 1. And uh, this morning... We're going to answer some questions that a lot of people seem to struggle with. Amen? And uh, I think a lot of people tend to struggle with it because they willingly are ignorant of this truth. And so let's look this morning, first of all, at the good worker. And who is the good worker? Well, it's no mystery to you. I've already said who it is. But look what it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the very first word, uh, verse in the Bible. Notice what it says here. In the beginning, say it with me, church. You ready? God. Amen? In the beginning, God. What did God do in the beginning? He created the heaven and the earth. Now what's interesting to me, if you look at Genesis chapter 1, 31 times in Genesis chapter 1, we see that it denotes that the worker was responsible for the works. And the worker that's responsible for the works was, of course, God Almighty. Amen? God Almighty. Now, let me just uh, uh, be here this morning and uh, be a, a, a mouthpiece for God. Not that He needs me necessarily to represent Him because He's so great and powerful. Creation itself represents Him. But I want to be His mouthpiece for a few minutes this morning and just uh, let you know about this good worker. Let me just remind you some truths about the God that we serve. First of all is this, folks. God has always existed. Amen? God has always existed. That's why the Bible says, in the beginning, God. Amen? Listen, He didn't come from the beginning. He was before the beginning, God. Amen? He was in the beginning before anything else. 
And this isn't just Genesis that teaches us this. This is all throughout the Scripture. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. In Titus chapter 1, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. That leads us to this great question that so many people want to know the answer to. Where did God come from? Where did God come from? Well, I don't claim to be a scientist. Amen? All right? The only thing I know about science is that you're not supposed to mix the works and the bleach together. Amen? I did that one time as a kid. I tried to create some, uh, uh, you know, I was going to help my mom out. I was going to, uh, you know, create the most powerful uh, toilet bowl cleaner in the world. Well, it was powerful, all right. Amen? So powerful, it almost killed me. And uh, literally, there was a fog going through the house. And so, all that to say, I'm not a scientist, okay? But I read a sci- uh, or I heard this from a Christian scientist. In fact, he's a creation scientist. Maybe you've heard of him before. His name is uh, Ken Hovind. And uh, he's got some videos out there about creation. And he was debating an atheist. And maybe you've seen this video before. But this is what the, uh, uh, Brother Hovind says. And he explained it this way. Here's what he said. He said, the God of the Bible is not affected by time, space, and matter. Right. If he's affected by time, space, and matter, he's not God. Right. Time, space, and matter are what is called a continuum and have to come into existence at the same time. Because if there was no matter and no space, where would you put it? If there was matter and space without time, when would you put it? You cannot have time, space, and matter independently. They must come into existence simultaneously. The Bible answers that in ten words. The verse we just read, In the beginning, time, God created the heaven, space, and the earth, which is matter. Interestingly enough, all three are comprised of three parts. Think about this for a minute. Time, past, present, future. Space, length, width, height. Matter, solid, liquid, gas. So here's what you have, folks. You have the Trinity, which is in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, creating a Trinity of Trinity. The God that created them has to be outside of them. For example... The person that created and manufactured your cell phone is not inside your cell phone making it work. The God that created the universe is outside of the universe. He is above it. He is beyond it. He is through it. He is unaffected by it. Amen? And God has always been and always will be. In fact, in the Bible, you find many passages that uh, uh, talk uh, or that use this name for God. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Anytime you see the word Lord capitalized, it's referring to the name of God, which we in the English pronounce as Jehovah. In fact, in the Hebrew, they couldn't even pronounce it. It was unpronounceable, that name of God, because it was so sacred. It was so holy. So when they translated it into English, they put some vowels in it so we can pronounce it in the English language as Jehovah. But let me tell you what that capital L-O-R-D means. It means the self-existent one. Amen? And that's the God we serve. He is self-existent. He describes himself in Deuteronomy chapter 33 and 1 Timothy chapter 1 as eternal. Meaning he has no beginning or end. You say, preacher, 
I can't comprehend that aspect of God. I can't comprehend that He created everything and that He's eternal and that He's always existed. Well, hey, listen, that's good that you can't comprehend that. Because if you could fit God into this three-pounded gray matter that's between our ears, He wouldn't be a God worth worshiping. Amen? But that's who our God is. You say, well, that's just hard to believe. Listen, folks, people believe in stuff they can't see, and that's hard to believe all the time. All the time. By the way, it's not a matter of whether or not you have faith. Everybody has faith. It's a matter of what your faith is in. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you what I choose as a Bible-believing Christian. I choose to put my faith in God and His Word and that He is the Creator of all things. That's the good worker we're talking about this morning. Amen? Amen? We're talking about God. Number two, let's talk about His good works. Let's talk about His good works. In Genesis chapter 1, we have a detailed list of the things that God created when He created the heaven and the earth. In day one, God created light. Day two, God created the heavens. Day three, He created the earth. Day four, He created the sun, moon, and stars. Day five, He created the fish and the fowl. And day six, God created the land animals and man. God created the earth and everything we know it in six 24-hour literal uh, period of time. Amen? By the way, I don't believe in any aspect of evolution. I don't believe in theistic evolution. There's, there, there's different, all kinds of crazy, whacked out beliefs about there. Some people try to appease the evolutionists by saying, well, we believe in evolution, but we believe God started it all. And God started it all and over. Here's how you know they really don't know what they're talking about. They start saying things like this. Billions and billions of years ago. If anybody says billions and billions to you, just mark it down. They drunk the Kool-Aid of evolution and atheism. Amen? Because this earth is not billions and billions of years old. According to the Word of God, we're living on a very young earth. The earth is approximately only 6,000 years old. Amen? You say, and by the way, what's interesting, before a man named Charles Darwin came along and propagated this, this false, wicked theory of evolution, by the way, who he renounced it on his deathbed, by the way. He renounced it as a hoax on his deathbed. Nobody talks about that, amen? But before Charles Darwin come along, you know what the majority of the people believe? That we're living on a young earth, amen? It's amazing how Satan could come along and take one person and propagate a lie, and now today it seems like the majority of people are buying it hook, line, and sinker. Let me tell you, folks, this, this world didn't come from a big bang, amen? It came from the speaking of our God, the speaking of our Creator. He spoke it into existence, amen? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9, And to make all men see what's the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, For by Him are all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and by Him all Things consist. I saw a video this week. Uh, one of the men in the church sent it to me. He, he likes sending me that kind of stuff. And it was a short video that, that talks about where if you look at DNA under a microscope, 
there's a building block of DNA, and I forget what the name of it was, but you look at that thing, it's shaped like a cross. Amen? And that literally is part of what makes us who we are as human beings in our DNA. Listen, when that verse says that by Him all things consist, that's exactly what it means. Amen? And the only reason we can do what we do, the only reason we can live this life is because Jesus Christ says we can. Amen? Amen. Because He is by all things and He's before all things and by Him all things consist. Genesis chapter 1, verse 10 um, what I want you to notice here, and this is interesting, as you go through chapter 1, you start seeing the description of this work of God. You start seeing the description of the good worker about his works. Notice what it says. Take your Bible, go there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 10. And notice here, at the tail end of these verses, it says this, And God saw that it was good. Verse 12, And God saw that it was good. Verse 18, and God saw that it was good. Verse 21, and God saw that it was good. Verse 25, and God saw that it was good. And in the very end, verse 31, it says, and behold, it was very good. Amen? Very good. And you know what, folks? That is the description of the, the works of the worker. That's what God described His creation as being good. Good. Amen. I'm going to tell you, it is good. Amen. It is good. Just the fact that you were able to get out of bed this morning and you were able to uh, be able to uh, breathe air into your lungs and your heart continues to beat and you go outside and you see the sunshine. Last night I saw the stars in the sky. I saw those two planets that, were, that weren't that far apart. I don't know if you noticed it last night in the western sky. This week they were really, really close, but because of the cloud cover you couldn't see them. I looked at that. I looked up at the stars last night. I looked up at the moon last night and I thought to myself, what a creator we have. Amen. Amen. And you know what? His works are good. You say, why did God create these things? Well, the Bible answers that for us. It says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 4, it says, the Lord hath made all things for Himself. You know why God made it? Because He made it for Him. Amen? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's. This belongs to Him. You know what? We, we say it's ours. We say, oh, this is my property. This is my this. This is my that. No, it's not. It's God's. Amen? It all belongs to Him. He made it for Himself. How about this? Revelation 4.11. He made it for His pleasure. The Bible says, For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You see, God decided to make all this thing because He wanted some pleasure out of it. By the way, uh, we might get here by the end of the message, but here's the question. You and I, as, God, as God's creation, are we bringing Him pleasure or displeasure? That's a fair question for all of us, amen? Based upon the choices we make, the lies we live. Hey, He made us, did He not? Hey, because He made us, are we bringing Him the pleasure He rightly deserves? Because He made it for His pleasure. How about this? He made it for His glory. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7, For every one that is called by My name, for I have created him for My glory, I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. Ask ourselves that question as well. Not only am I bringing pleasure to God, it's my life bringing glory to God. By the way, that's a telltale question, is it not? By the choices I make, by the actions that I do, by the things I see and the things I listen to and the places I go, is my life bringing glory to my Creator? It ought to, amen? It ought to. So we see the good worker. We see the good works. 
Let me show you this, because this is where it gets real good. Amen? Let's look at his good workmanship. His good workmanship. Notice what it says. Go take your Bibles. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to show you, folks, because, man, all this is going to tie in together again tonight. And uh, if, if, if you can be here tonight, be here. We're going we're gonna, to, uh, tonight's message is going to tie right into this morning's message. But I want you to show you here the crowning pinnacle of God's creation. And uh, notice what we see. By the way, when we see creation described, we see God speaking things into existence. We see God speaking light and, and the heavens and, and uh, uh, the animals and all that stuff into existence. But you know what? When it came to something else, God said, you know what? I'm just not going to speak into existence. My handprints are going to be on it. Notice here, Genesis chapter 1. Notice what it says there in verse 26 through 28. And God said, let us make man in our image. Now, I always like to point this out, and I pointed it out to you before, but let's look at it again, okay? Everybody's all about pronouns nowadays, right? Trying to figure out this pronoun, that pronoun. Well, notice here what God says in this verse. And God said, what's that pronoun? Us. Make man in, what's that next pronoun? Our image. Us, our What's God talking about here? Is God schizophrenic? Okay, I mean, is God confused about who He is and trying to figure out what pronoun to use? Okay, let me tell you something, folks. Absolutely not. God knows exactly what He's doing. He knows exactly what He's saying. When He's talking about let us make man in our image, He's referring to what's known as the Godhead. Amen. The eternal Godhead. We call it the Trinity, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And by the way, all throughout the creation story, you find all three aspects of the Godhead involved in it. Amen? God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. The sea, over the fowl, the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over everything that creepeth, that creepeth upon the earth. Now, I don't know if you uh, watched this or saw this or not, and I'm not, I'm not endorsing or recommending that you do, but uh, there was a, a TV show back in the 70s, I believe, called Planet of the Apes. And the story was about how apes took over the planet. Well, listen to me, folks. I, I hate to tell you. Okay, actually, I don't hate to tell you. I'm glad to tell you. Animals and insects will never take over the planet, okay? Never going to happen. You know why? Because man is the top of the food chain, amen? And God put the dominion of all that stuff in the hands of mankind. And verse 27, So God created man, talking about mankind, in His own image. In the image of God created He Him. How about this? Male and female created He them. Okay? Let's just stop right there. If you say, preacher, you going there? You better believe I'm going there. Okay? The world ain't afraid to go there. Why aren't the preachers not afraid to go there? Amen? Listen, we're going to preach biblical truth. And despite the insanity and the ridiculousness, and truth be told, the reprobate mindset of the day, there's only two genders. Amen? There's male and female. By the way, you don't get a picket, you don't get a change. Amen? That was determined by God Almighty, and I don't care what a person decides to mutilate themselves, or what they decide to call themselves, if you were born a male, you're going to die a male. Amen? If you were born a female, you're going to die a female. Because God Almighty ordained it. You say, preacher, that makes me nervous. Then you're drinking the Kool-Aid, amen? Quit drinking the Kool-Aid of the culture. Listen, what insanity what's going on in our world today. And you know why it's going on? Because Christians are afraid to stand out against it. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about being hateful. 
I'm not talking about, you know, uh, telling everybody that you're going to burn in hell at this or that. I'm talking about standing for and proclaiming biblical truth. Biblical truth. Because when God made man and uh, or made mankind, He only gave two options there, male and female, and you don't get a picket. God picked it for you. Amen? Male and female created He then. Verse 28, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, God gives us another insight into how He made mankind. Men, don't miss this. And the Lord God, notice this word, formed. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You know what you see in creation that you don't see uh, in the creation of mankind? You don't see God speaking anything into existence. You see the fingerprints of God all over humankind. By the way, the Bible says we're made in His likeness and His image. Okay, now the Bible's very clear. It tells us that God is a spirit. We understand that. But you say, what's God going to look like? Well, I can tell you this. God's going to have a head. He's going to have hands. He's going to have eyes. He's going to have mouth. He's going to have feet. He's going to have a body. You say, how do we know that? Because he, we're made in His image and His likeness. Amen? And, and not to mention the fact, when you read through the Scripture, you find God describing Himself with all those different types of things. Amen? Talks about His arm. Talks about His hand. Talks about all the different parts of who He is. Amen? Hey, we're made in the image of God. How did He do it? God said, well, I'm going to scoop up a bunch of dust together. By the way, you know what that does? Keeps you humble. Amen? Because you know, at the end of this thing, when we want to start thinking it's all about us and pride and arrogant, look at me. Let me tell you what we are. We, we really are. We're all just a bunch of dirt. By the way, you don't believe that? Well, look, let's, let's see what happens once you die. Once you die, amen? Before the days of technology, before the days of, uh, uh, of the, uh, the vaults and all that kind of stuff, when they just put people in the ground, amen, you know what? You come back sometime later, dig it back up, guess what you find? You wouldn't find anything. In fact, I, I used to know a guy who uh, uh, was a grave digger. And a, a coal mine paid him to move a cemetery from one spot to another spot. Some of the graves he was digging up were literally from the 1800s. And uh, he was telling me that when he digged those graves up, the only thing they could find was a little bit of gray dirt, and that was it. Nothing else was left except gray dirt. And he said that's what they moved. They picked up the, or they'd scoop it up, and if that's all they found, that's all they moved. You know what? That's because... From, uh, we're made from dust, we're going back to dust. Amen? But let me tell you what makes us special, folks. It's not the first part because God made us from the dust of the ground. Here's the part where it's really good. Amen? Here's the part that separates us from all other creation and breathed into His nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Literally, God's lips touch mankind's lips and breathe life into us. Amen? And let me tell you, folks, that's the eternal part. Amen? That's the part, hey, that never's going to die. I got good news for you. You're never, you're never dying. And your physical body's going to die, but that ain't the real you anyway. Amen? Aren't you glad? Amen? Aren't you glad that this isn't the part that has to go and live in eternity? This is just the earthly model. Praise God we're getting upgraded with one of these days. Amen? Let me tell you, folks, you literally see the handprints of God when it comes to to forming mankind. You say, well, preacher, that's how God did it with Adam and Eve. That's not how he does it today. I think you need a, a lesson on biology. Well, uh, guess what? I got some more Bible on that too. Amen? Notice this. This is interesting. 
Remember the word I pointed out to you in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7? And the Lord God formed man. He formed man. By the way, that word <clears throat> forms an interesting word. It means to squeeze into shape. It means the work of a potter. It means to mold into a form. Okay? The best way I can describe it is this. You ever play with Play-Doh? Amen? Play-Doh? Remember as a kid, my parents hated that stuff because it would get all over the carpet and would never come out. And you get that stuff everywhere. There's something about taking Play-Doh. Now, come on. Let's be honest here. How many of you, ever, before you played with it, you had to smell it? Okay? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Good memory. How many of you ever tasted it? All right, come on now. We know what we're talking about. Let's just be honest. It's just us here this morning, okay? I remember taking that stuff as a kid and uh, put it in between my fingers and just squeezing. Something about the feel. If you've never squeezed Play-Doh through your hand, you haven't lived life yet, amen? And you ought to go to Walmart and buy something good today, amen? Take a sniff of it. Not telling you to take a bite of it, all right? But take a sniff of it and just squeeze it through your hands. Hey, that, that principle there is the same principle when the Bible says God formed man. He literally took the dust and began to form, began to put uh, uh, the, the form of what we know as a human body together out of the dust of the earth. Now, here's where I was going with that, okay? You say, well, that was then. That's not how it works now. Oh, really? Notice what this verse says, all right? Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, okay? Ta uh, God was talking to the prophet Jeremiah, and here's what he told his prophet Jeremiah. Before I formed thee. By the way, same word as used in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. He formed. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I ordained thee a prophet to the nations. By the way, folks, let me tell you how this works. I understand the biological process what God uses for children to be born. But let me tell you right now, when that child is being formed in that womb, the fingerprints of God are on that child. Amen. 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 Right now, that baby is growing in face womb. God's fingerprints are there. In fact, this week, that baby's going to start, a heart's going to start beating. This week. Here's that heart begins to beat. You know what God's going to do? He's already in the process of forming that baby into what he wants for it to be. Amen. Amen. Boy or girl? I don't know yet. We've got to take a got to vote on what it's going to be. Uh, surprisingly enough, I did say girl, okay? And, uh, but regardless, hey, it doesn't matter. God's hands are involved in forming that child. Listen, mankind is the workmanship of the worker. Amen? Notice what he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I love this verse. For we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ under good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Listen, folks, mankind is an amazing creation, created by an amazing God. If you were to try to take the human body and make it, here's what you would need. You would need 58 pounds of oxygen, 50 quarts of water, 2 ounces of salt, 3 pounds of calcium, 24 pounds of carbon, some chlorine, uh, a phosphorus, fat, iron, sulfur, and glycerin. That's what, it, that's what the human body's composed of. Only a creator can can put that together and make being. No wonder the Bible says in Psalms 139, verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, that my soul knoweth right well. Listen, folks, God himself such the ultimate example of being the good worker that works good works. He sets that example as himself. He sets that example. And then you know what? As human beings, we're his workmanship. 
By the way, that ought to make you feel special. Amen? Now, I get it. I understand, folks. I'm, uh, you know, we all deal with pride, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, thinking we're something. But let me, I'll just tell you this, amen? Just the fact that you're a human being means the fingerprints of the Creator on your life. Amen? But you know what? He doesn't want to just stop with he, Him being your Creator and you being His creation. He wants you to take it to the next level. So let me give you some very practical uh, points this morning. Because the good worker and his good works, and the fact that we are his workmanship, that ought to mean some things to us. Here's what it ought to mean. Number one, it means this. We should choose a relationship with our Creator. We should choose a relationship with our Creator. We all know the story. When I say that, I think most of us know the story. Maybe there's some here that don't know the story. If we would have time, we'd keep reading the book of Genesis, and we start figuring out why we're in the mess we're in. You see, when God made Adam and Eve out of the dust of the ground and breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul, and then later on he formed Eve out of the side, out of the rib of Adam, and he brought them together. By the way, you know what that's called? Marriage. Yeah. <laughs> and mankind has no right trying to change the definition of what marriage is. What is the Bible? What is God's definition of marriage? One man, one woman for life till death do him part. God's plan. Amen? That's what God ordained it to be. Now, we as mankind have come along and messed it all up, amen? But that's God's plan. But you, you know the story. God made Adam and Eve, and for that time, and we don't know exactly how long it was, but they lived in perfect harmony in that wonderful place called the Garden of Eden with their Creator. The Bible talks about how that they would walk with God in the cool of the day, and they would spend time with God personally. And man, they lived in that wonderful paradise called Eden. Could you imagine what that's like? Nobody's ever experienced anything like that since. We just haven't. Because, uh, uh, because of their, 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 their sin, because of them being deceived, Eve was deceived by the serpent. Adam chose to sin. They ate the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And guess what happened? They plagued, they plunged the human race into what's known as sin. Amen? And that's why we're in the mess we're in. And, uh, and we know the story. Uh, uh, God had to shed some animals for blood to be shed. And that's why we're this is chapter 3, verse 15. First prophetic passage in the scripture. And this right here kind of sums up what the human race has always been about. Notice what it says. I will put enmity or, or animosity or, or a warring, if you will, like an enemy. I will put enmity between thee, talking to the serpent here, talking to Satan here, between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And that was the first prophecy made in the book of Genesis that referred to there's one of these days coming someone who's going to cut the head off the serpent. Amen? And you want to be honest as you, as you chase this through the Scripture? You know what you see off of the Scripture? You see the seed of the serpent at war with the seed of the woman. It's all throughout the Scripture. It explains everything perfectly to the team. The seed of the serpent at war with the seed of the woman. And listen to me, folks. We're still dealing with it today. Still dealing with it today. And because, though, of that bruising of the head of the serpent when Jesus died on the cross. By the way, that's one thing powerful that happened when Christ died. So many powerful things happened when Christ died. But one of the things He did, literally, folks, He cut the head off the serpent. Amen? And He annihilated. That doesn't mean Satan's not still out there. He is. But I'm going to tell you right now, he's living on borrowed time. 
Satan isn't winning this thing. I can guarantee you that. By the way, he knows he's not winning this thing. He knows his time is short. And that's why we're experiencing what we're experiencing in the world today because he's trying to get all this stuff in line so he can go out in his last final hoorah and try to take out God. It ain't going to happen. Amen? Because Jesus Christ decapitated him and his power on the cross of Calvary. And because of that, folks, listen to me, mankind now has direct access to God. And you can choose to have a relationship with God Almighty through His Son, Jesus Christ. You know what we call that? We call that salvation. We call that being saved. We call that being born again. There's a lot of biblical terms for it. But let me tell you what it means. It means this. You realize you can't save yourself. That's what it means. You realize because of your sin, because me and my sin, you know what? We're in trouble because of our sin. Our sin is going to send us directly to the lake of fire. By the way, let me just remind you something, folks. You don't have to do anything to go to hell. The human race is born on the road to hell. You know why? Because of that sin that we all have. Amen? But you got to realize, hey, i, I got a problem. i got a sin problem. you got to realize too about my sin problem. I can't take away my own sin. Hey, I can't atone for my own sin. Hey, there's nothing that can wash away my sin but, but the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And God sent Jesus on that cross to shed His blood and if you'll put your faith and trust in Christ and in His payment that He died for on that cross, folks, listen to me. God will forgive you of your sin. He'll wash it away and if your faith and trust is in Christ, guess what? You can alter your eternal destiny. You may be born on the road to hell, but you don't have to die on that road. If you'll put your faith and trust in Christ and and you'll be saved, you'll be born again. Listen to me, folks. It's not a process. Okay? It's not something you work into. You know why we're all here this morning? Because on such and such date, we had physical birthdays. We celebrated Miss Mary's birthday this morning. And uh, as she was born uh, Tuesday, so it'll be February 28th, correct? Is that right? February 28th. And I won't tell you what year, amen? And uh, But uh, uh, she was born into this life on February 28th in such and such year, and that's why she's here today, amen? All of us have a time when we were born physically on this earth. That's why we're here. That's why we're in, in this life. But listen to me. If you're going to be in the next life, there must be a moment in time you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. A moment in time. That's why God says, He describes it, Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. A moment in time where you realize you're a sinner, realize you can't save yourself, and you call out to Jesus Christ, and you ask Him to save you and forgive you, and you put all your faith and trust in Him. That's called being saved. And that's what's going to get you into the next life. Amen? Amen. Nothing to do with being part of White River Baptist Church. I love this place. It's a part of me. It's a part of my DNA. I love everything about it. But listen to me, folks. You joining this church doesn't make you a Christian. No more than uh, walking into a garage makes you a car. Amen? You can be a member of this church and not really be born again and go straight to hell. Because church membership doesn't save you. Listen, I'm all about baptism. We baptize around here. Uh, We're supposed to have a baptismal service here in the next couple weeks. I'm all about that. But listen, baptism cannot save you. Amen? All, listen, if you're trusting in baptism to get you to heaven, I said it not that long ago, and God used it to work on somebody's heart, then you're going to go to hell soaking wet. The baptism doesn't have the power to save. The only thing that can save you is the blood of Jesus Christ Amen. and your faith and trust in His death on the cross. Now listen, because of 
the worker, because of his good works, because of his workmanship, he gives us all the opportunity to choose. Let me tell you one thing I love about God. He's a gentleman. Amen? He doesn't make anybody do anything. And if you're going to be saved, you've got to do so of your own free will and choose to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. My prayer for you this morning is this. If you don't know 100% sure that when you die, you're going to heaven, do not walk out that door without getting that settled this morning. By the way, none of us are guaranteed any more time. None of us are guaranteed to be back here tonight. None of us are guaranteed to wake up tomorrow morning. I hope we all do. I mean, statistics work out. Hopefully we will. We should. But none of us are guaranteed that. Tonight could be the night some of us may enter eternity. Listen, don't put it off. If you don't know 100% sure you're safe, get saved today. Amen? And here in just a few minutes, I'll give you that opportunity. So number one, we must choose a relationship with the Creator. And then how about this for just a couple minutes here? Let me leave you with this thought. Not only should we choose a relationship, we should choose fellowship with the Creator. Fellowship. I like that word, fellowship. Amen? That's a biblical word, by the way. It's talking about the camaraderie we have. It's talking about building a close personal relationship with. That's what it's talking about. Now, I'll tell you what's amazing about what was going on in the garden before sin. It was the unadulterated relationship Adam and Eve had with God. Okay, It describes it this way. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Now, this is after they sinned, okay? And so, here's what, here's what it says that happened. And they, Adam and Eve, heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. By the way, not an accident, amen, when it says what it said. It said they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. You say, what exactly does that mean? I don't know exactly. All I know is the, the Word of God has power, amen? They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. By the way, how arrogant are you to think you can hide from God amongst some trees? You know what that means right there? Sin made them stupid. By the way, sin makes us stupid. You know, we think that, oh yeah, even as Christians, oh, I can do this, I, I can get by with this. Let me tell you something, folks. Ain't nobody getting by with anything. You know, we think just because, you know, we're in a room with the door closed, God can't see us. Or we think just because it's nighttime, God can't see us. Well, I got news for you, folks. God can see through walls. God can see through ceilings. God sees in the dark. He knows everything we're doing. Let me tell you, it's amazing to me. I, I just, it really is that sometimes you're working with people and, and the things that we try to justify because of our sinful behavior. Let me tell you, sin makes you stupid. Amen? So you know what the best thing to do is? Keep your sin right. Amen? Keep it confessed. Don't have a bunch of sin built up between you and God. But Adam and Eve did. They hid themselves. They tried to hide themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where art thou? And, of course, we know the story. God, uh, they, they came to God. God dealt with their sin. But, listen, the point I'm trying to prove is this, okay? That was a daily occurrence they had cool the day. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Literally walking with God every single day. Just by the way, what did they do? I guarantee you this, folks. They were fellowshipping. Amen? God was enjoying their company. They were enjoying His company. And they had fellowship. I mean, what do we do when we have our meals around here? When we move all the chairs and break out the tables and, and, and we share a meal together. You know what we're doing? We're just fellowshipping, amen? We're enjoying each other's company. We're talking about like interest. We like being together as the family of God. Where do you think that comes from? It comes from that relationship 
that God had with Adam and Eve, and by the way, don't miss this, still wants to have with us today. Still wants to have with us today. Let me tell you something, folks. Let me ask you this, okay? What's the litmus test for a healthy relationship? What's the litmus test? I'll tell you what it is. Communication. If you don't communicate, you don't have a healthy relationship. You try not communicate with your spouse for a week and see how that turns out. doesn't usually work out real good. Amen? Now, yeah, can you coexist together? Sure. But it's not really living. And let's be honest, you don't really enjoy it that much. Unless you have good communication. By the way, you know what the litmus test for our relationship with God is? Communication! Come on now. Here's a fair question for every single one of us that claim to be children of God. Hey, did you talk to Him this week? Did you talk to Him? By the way, did He talk to you this week? Amen? What did He say to you? By the way, is God going to show up to you? And, you know, end of your bed, 800-foot Jesus, my child, and give you some of this big, long message? Listen, if you're seeing that, you had too much pizza the night before. Amen? All right? That's, if, if that's what you think. No, that's not what it is. But God does talk to us today. Yes, He does. He speaks to us. The Bible tells us through His Word. As you open up your Bible... And you say to God, God, this is your word. God, you gave it to me. It's precious. Now, Lord, as I interact with this book today, God, would you please speak to my heart today, God? As you interact with this book, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God, who's the author, is living inside of you, and He will talk with you, communicate with you, and show you things, but it will always be through His word. Listen now, God will never contradict His word. Ever, 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 ever. How do you decipher between a lot of foolishness that goes on? People that supposedly say they're hearing from God. I'll tell you the easiest way to decipher is it isn't in agreement with the Word of God. If it's not in agreement with this book, it ain't from God, I'm telling you. 100% it's not from God. We are living in the dispensation of grace, the dispensation of the completed Word of God. And listen to me, folks. The Bible says this right here is a more sure word of prophecy than if Jesus Christ showed up and spoke to you himself. That's what it says about itself. You realize the Bible says that God has exalted His Word above His very own name? By the way, the name of God was so precious. That's why, as I mentioned earlier, that word Jehovah, they wouldn't even write it out. They wouldn't even put the vowels in it. They didn't want anyone to pronounce it because it was so holy, because it was the name of God. That's how powerful the name of God is. But yet God said there's something that I exalt above my very own name, and it's my Word. That ought to put a new light on how we feel about our Bible. And the fact that as Christians, a lot of times we just snub it every day. And it's not a priority. Oh, yeah. Oh, if I have time, I'll spend time in it. Let me tell you something, folks. That ain't the way God wants to communicate with us. Amen? He wants to speak to you through His Word. And He wants us to speak to Him through prayer. Amen? Through prayer. And again, I don't have time to, to teach on prayer this morning, and I usually take uh, some messages every year and teach on it because it's so important. But all I'm going to say is this, folks, listen to me. Every single one of us need to choose fellowship with the Creator. Fellowship. Walking with God. Spending time with God. Spending time in prayer. Him speaking to you through His Word. Amen? Let me tell you, when you learn to what it is to walk with God and become a friend of God, and you fellowship and you have communication, and there's just something about that, folks, listen, there's no price you can put on that as a Christian. It's your power source as a Christian, your walk with God. Amen? So because of the worker, because of his good works, because of the fact that we're his workmanship, let's number one, choose a relationship to create. 
If you're not saved, once you get saved today. Number two, once you choose fellowship with the Creator. Those of, those of us that are saved, let's make our relationship with God a priority. Amen? And spend time with Him and walk with Him. Let Him speak to us. We speak to Him. I'm going to tell you something, folks. When you know God on that kind of level, it will change your life as a Christian. Amen? So praise the Lord for the good works of the Creator. Let's pray. Lord.